الجزيرة بودكاست How necessary is your food for survival? Well, I'll let you make up your own mind on that one. Remember the days though when man had to hunt to survive? Well, yeah, I know many people still do to this very day. But the relatively easy access to food and unhealthy eating habits are harming many, especially in the Middle East. Hello everyone, I'm Sami Zaydan. You're listening to the Essential Middle East podcast. Highly processed and fast foods, candy bars, cereals, those sugary drinks and so on, they're all very easy to get hold of, aren't they? The World Health Organization is warning that obesity is on the rise, not just in the Middle East, but around the world. The World Obesity Federation says if current trends continue, 2.7 billion adults will be overweight or obese by 2025. The WHO says obesity in children and adults is a public health concern in almost all regions of the world. An estimated 38.9 million children under five years old are moderately or severely overweight. Flashy packaging, promises of great taste, all meant to lure families and kids especially. What's causing this and what are the healthier alternatives? So let's unpack all of this now with our guest. Hello, Hi. I'm Joyce Awad from a Human Nutrition Department, Clinical Coordinator in Qatar University, QU Health. Great to have you with us today. Let's start from the basics, shall we? Why is the Middle East so notorious when it comes to unhealthy eating habits? It's not only in the Middle East, actually. It's also around the globe. This is a public health concern. Are we doing worse than other parts? Where does the MENA area rank? Unfortunately, yes. First, let's define obesity. As per the World Health Organization, obesity is the excessive accumulation of body fat. As per the available data, they suggest high prevalence of obesity. And unfortunately, it's not only in adulthood, but also in childhood. The prevalence of adulthood obesity has been increased by around 7.5% between 2000 and 2016. This is really alarming. And again, you're talking about the MENA region, right? Yeah, exactly. What's behind this increase? Is it lifestyle? Is it education or lack of it? Or simply globalization and the rise of so many fast food chains? First, we have the nutrition transition to consuming energy-dense food. Now, the energy-dense food are more accessible since we have more food delivery companies. Globalization, people are more exposed to social media, so they are more exposed to more food ads, skipping meals, skipping breakfast especially, frequent snacking. Skipping meals is causing obesity and health problems. Yes, exactly. It sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? You think, okay, I skip meals, yay, I'm going to lose weight. People tend to consume more energy-dense food instead of consuming one main meal that contains all the food group and that makes them feel full and avoid eating again and again. So if we're skipping meals, means that we're snacking the wrong stuff. Exactly. 
many people eat because they feel bored. So they just open the fridge, they take chips, they take chocolate instead of taking fruits or vegetables. Mm. They just want to eat anything they see in front of them. Plus, we have the frequent exposure to the screen and that was also increased during COVID-19. And you look at the fridge and it starts calling your name. <laughs> to what extent does the hot climate in the Middle East play a role in this beyond the lockdown? Are we generally in a problem where hey, it's easier to stay at home or in the air-conditioned office than go out and adopt an active lifestyle. Exactly. Instead of doing a physical activity, that's another main reason that we don't have safe environment for physical activity that can also promote for physical activity instead of going for a sedentary lifestyle. For instance, mm. we usually use the elevator instead of going on the stairs because the weather is hot. This is also another reason that can promote for a sedentary lifestyle that eventually lead to increased prevalence of obesity. You mentioned some numbers about obesity in the MENA region. What about other issues, diabetes, heart disease? How prevalent are they in this part of the world? Unfortunately, obesity is associated with many comorbidities. For example, we have high prevalence of diabetes in the MENA region, almost 17%, which is considered really high. Knowing that in the Gulf region, we are the third highest rate among the global rates in the obesity. Also, the rates of cancer, especially in Lebanon, in Qatar, in Jordan, it's about 19%. This is also considered very high. Cardiovascular diseases, which is also a comorbidity that is associated associated with obesity also is high. It's about 21%. This is quite dangerous then to be so high and going up. Definitely, it is dangerous. That's why the life expectancy also is decreasing. According to the International Diabetes Federation, 73 million adults diabetic in the MENA region in 2021. Scary. This is very scary, yes. And we need an intervention that includes the whole government, the whole society. It includes really multidisciplinary team, the parents, the education programs, the ministries. We really need intensive intervention. What does having such a large unhealthy population mean? for meaner economies. This is an economic burden on the insurance companies, for the healthcare Health facilities. Systems, exactly. Right. And they're already strained in some parts of the MENA region. Definitely. It has substantial impact on the healthcare services. That's why we need to intervene, knowing that many governments nowadays, they established and they started with implementing many intervention programs related to nutrition and in order to combat the spread of obesity as well as diabetes. What about the power of advertainment? Is it also driving obesity and unhealthy lifestyles and diets? Unfortunately, yes. Especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, we know that people are more exposed to social media. We have many influencers, many bloggers who claim that they are good in nutrition. Sometimes people are influenced about the type of diet they do, whether they are healthy or not, but they follow them, knowing that people have to know the difference between nutritionists and dietitian. The dietitian is the one who is responsible for providing meal planning. We may have some influencer who nominates herself as nutritionist, but she does not have any academic background in dietetics. So this is very important that the people know the background of the influencer who they are following, because sometimes maybe we may have an influencer 
who always put some ideas on the lunch boxes for the children. So they put chocolate, they put even, let's say, organic bars, they put pretzels, biscuits. So people think that this is healthy for their children and they try to implement it on their children. You're saying that some of these social, maybe we have to be careful and say we're not talking about all influencers, Definitely of some of them. But some of them are what, they're sponsored by companies that want to push unhealthy products? So that's where it becomes confusing because you might follow someone that you think, hey, it's a dietitian or a, a doctor or a nutritionist or an expert who will give me some good advice. But really, they're getting some freebies or money from a company. Yeah, exactly. Also concerning the good advice, people have to know that usually all the recommendations should be highly individualized. So what is applicable for one person may not be applicable to another person. We cannot just get a diet that was working on a certain person and we adopted. No. So we don't get that paper that has the diet. It was like a magic bullet for a certain person. No, it's not applicable for all people. That's a really good point. I tell you what though, Joyce, we need to take a little break, but we're going to be back, guys, to continue this absolutely delicious discussion. No pun intended. Okay, there was one. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. We carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world, and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, guys. Let's continue this discussion. What can be done, Joyce, to make people eat healthier in the MENA regions, for heaven's sake? We need prevention and intervention. And nowadays, in the MENA region, the governments are doing a great job, especially the Eastern Mediterranean region. They adopted some policies, some program intervention that were provided by the World Health Organization. For example, limiting the trans fatty acid intake, which is considered an unhealthy fat and can contribute to obesity as well as other comorbidities. Also, they try to limit the salt consumption by, for example, forcing more taxes, intensive taxes on processed food. Also, they adopted another policy related to the front of pack labeling that allows the customers to know more about the content of the food package. It is mainly color coded. So for the one that is high in fat, its color is red. For the one that is medium in fat, its color is orange, while the one that is low in fat, its color is green. And this all sounds very sensible, but I'm thinking to myself, and I've I've got to level with you and be honest, I like my salt. And even if you double the price, I can't put my hand on my heart and say, I'm going to lay off the white stuff. All this coloring, all this taxing, is it really going to work for stubborn people like me? Dieting, usually, Sami, it's not only about changing your eating habits for a short period of time. We need to know that dieting is eating. When we do diet, also we have to culminate cognitive and behavior change. That's the role of the dietitian to convince the patient that yes, we need mm. to change the lifestyle to adopt healthy eating habits. That's why it's very important that the diet should be highly individualized, should be individualized according to the food preferences of the person, according to the lifestyle of the person. We may have many patients or many people who have long working hours 
hours. So how can they practice physical activity? Maybe they don't have enough time to cook. How can we adjust the diet, the weight loss diet, to meet their lifestyle and their eating pattern? That's why it's very important to change the idea about dieting. We've all got to get our individual dietitians and nutritionists because that's going to be a challenge. And I'm someone, I should say, I've given up my sugar. I've given up a lot of simple carbs. I've taken out processed food from my diet, basically like the caveman diet. But if you tell me I've got to go see a nutritionist, I work a lot. I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm going to sit with a nutritionist to pick through any what's left of my food. I mean, it's just my salt left. Sammy, we are very good. <laughs> Dietitians are really helpful. <laughs> we I'm are not sure here you to deprive are. you from food, sure, really. I'm just being honest. How are you going to convince people to sit one-on-one with dietitians? Okay, Sammy, as I told you, dieting is eating. We will not deprive anybody from eating. When we eat food, we have to enjoy the food. But definitely, we Except need to... Except when I cook it. I don't know about the enjoy it. Apparently, you add high amount of salt. Oh, that's the fun part. <laughs> I put the salt to make the food taste good. Now you know why. Maybe you have to add some spices. They are good for health instead of taking salt. Maybe I need to learn how to cook properly. Okay. But that's another conversation. We need to be convinced that dieting is also achieving cognitive and behavior change. We need to reach this mentality that, yes, I can lose weight. Yes, I can eat whatever I want. But the key is in moderation. Mm. I can eat burger. I'm a dietitian. Yes, I eat burger. Yes, I eat pizza. I enjoy eating them, but definitely in moderation. Oh, my goodness. I think we're all loving dietitians now after I eat burger and pizza. (laughs) Are we seeing, though, a new health food wave, I can call that, in the MENA region, especially in the Gulf, with the focus? I've seen some companies now focusing on vegan or keto diets or will put together your healthy meal and deliver it to you for the whole week in a bag kind of thing. First, we need to know that when we say healthy eating, any healthy diet should include all the food groups. That is uh, fruits, vegetables, grains, milk and protein. Mm. Once we have any diet that removes one of the food groups, so this diet is unhealthy Mm. because we need to have adequacy in the nutrient consumption. Concerning the wave and different types of diet that we are currently hearing about, the detox diet, the ketogenic diet, the intermittent fasting diet, until now there are no sufficient data showing that there is a specific diet, one of the ones that I mentioned, is really crucial in achieving weight loss. Even intermittent fasting? Even intermittent fasting we still need more and more research. For example, in the intermittent fasting, you know that we have different types of intermittent fasting. We have actually three types of intermittent fasting. People see intermittent fasting and they try to apply it. Some people may have hypoglycemia. For example, people with diabetes, because we have high prevalence of diabetes in the MENA region, if they want to follow the intermittent fasting diet and they are taking their medications, we know that usually we need to match the diet with the medication. So right. if that so patient again, with diabetes... not a one-size-fits-all. Exactly. All the diets should be highly individualized. And I always recommend to be under the supervision of the expert, the supervision of the dietitian. All right, and there's also a perception. Some people complain that a lot of this dieting is just a business trend. What do you make of that? 
Unfortunately, some dietitians provide that image. And this is against the code of ethics, by the way. We know that we have the code of ethics of the profession of dietetics, which is the conflict of interest. Definitely, our role is to provide a healthy diet without focusing on a certain product for the product. Always we need to focus on providing evidence-based information to all the public. And what about this concern you often hear from people? Hey, I can't afford to eat healthy. It's just too expensive. How much are you going to spend on some really nice healthy food compared to how much you can fill yourself with junk food? Yeah, you're right. This is a challenge that we as dietitians we really face, which is the price of healthy food. Plus, some insurance companies don't reimburse for the consultations with a dietitian. These are really challenges that we currently face as dietitians in order to spread more awareness about our role and to achieve our objective, which is healthy eating habit and healthy weight among the community. What's the solution for that? We have to promote more for healthy eating by providing more accessible healthy eating feasible in the price of healthy food. Usually, fast food companies provide affordable promotions. So we can apply the same for healthy food, provide more offers. We also have to remove the idea that healthy food means it's untasty. No, healthy food is really tasty. So that's why we need collaboration between the whole community, collaboration between the parents, because also this is an idea that is embedded in the mind of the children, collaboration with schools, with the universities, with the government, with the ministries. Is there enough national intervention if we can call it that, intervention programs to try and manage awareness, manage these problems, work with people maybe on issues like their budget in order to enable them to eat healthy. Usually the national intervention programs, they target more healthy eating, but they don't target the accessibility of healthy food. Maybe this is an issue also that we need to highlight to make healthy food more affordable and more accessible. Is there a need for better education about this in schools too? Is that maybe an issue? We need the better education. Basami, people have the awareness. The problem is in practice. They know about obesity. They know that they should not consume such type of food in such high quantity. But the problem is in practice. Well then, let's end maybe with some tips from you. What kind of tips can you give to people maybe a little bit overwhelmed with all of this? What do you tell your clients? We need to provide this idea that dieting is eating. Dieting is not food deprivation. We can eat whatever we want, enjoy all the types of food, but always eat in moderation. For people who cannot cook, yes, they have an alternative. They can still order food, but instead of ordering energy-dense food, they can order healthy food. Practice physical activity. Instead of using the elevator, for example, they can use the stairs. No need to always go to the gym. We have to be enrolled in the gym. Sometimes they may be unaffordable, may be expensive. So still, it's not only about being enrolled in a gym, but yes, you can just walk around your house and you can practice physical activity. People, for example, they can dance. What I used to tell my patients, you can just turn on the music and dance. Enjoy. 
physical activity, it's not only just you have to count one, two, three, and you do aerobics. No, you have to enjoy the physical activity. Avoid the sedentary lifestyle and limit the screen viewing. Nowadays, people are spending too much time on WhatsApp, on Instagram, on social media platforms. We need to limit that amount of time always sitting. We need to move more, to be more involved in moving. Wow, I didn't know before I did this show that Adopting a healthy lifestyle could be so much fun. Grab that pizza and dance. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Joyce. <laughs> thank you, Sammy. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening. This episode was produced by Khalid Sultan and our interns Nada Shakir and Riyam Al-Jafari also contributed. Sound design by George Al-Wir. Our engagement producer is Ayal Malik and our assistant engagement producer is Munira Dosari. Omar Saleh is our executive producer and Ney Alvarez is head of audio. I'm your host, Sami Zaydan. For now, goodbye, guys. Goodbye.